Hello, I'm Mary Osborne. I'm Kathy Shagrin. And I'm Stacia Matten. And we'd like to welcome you back for a second season of Prairie Tales, where each month we talk about this wonderful community we live in, Monmouth, Illinois. Mary, did you know that the city of Monmouth is the birthplace of fraternity Kappa Kappa Gamma? Well, yes, I did. Well, did you know that their mascot is an owl and the Florida is their symbol? Yes, I was aware. Did you know that the fraternity began as a desire by several local women in Monmouth to develop a women's fraternity for social development and now has 145 collegiate chapters? How do you know so much about Kappa Kappa Gamma? <laughs> well, well you know, I read it on the I read internet. It on the internet. Oh, moving on. Each month at Prairie Tales, we bring you a little slice of history from Monmouth's past with the help of local historians. Last year, we heard from many of you who listen, and we welcome your ideas for future programs. We also would like to recognize the Buchanan Center for the Arts, which sponsors our program as part of its mission to promote the arts in whatever form it takes in the Monmouth area. So, are we ready to begin? Absolutely. Well, get ready because it's season two of Prairie Tales. Welcome back to another episode of Prairie Tales. I'm Mary Osborne, and tonight I am here with my fellow podcasters, Stacia Matten and Kathy Shagrin. We also have a special guest, Christine Gilbert, the executive director of the Buchanan Center for the Arts. Christine, we're so pleased you could join us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. Hi, Christine. Hi, Christine. Um, We are really glad that you're here tonight. We have several questions to ask you. We were thinking, though, if you would start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I've been the executive director for the Buchanan Center for the Arts since January 2015. Prior to coming to Monmouth, I taught English and attended grad school at Western Illinois University. I have... Yes. Go Leathernecks. I I have a wonderful family. My husband, Dwayne, and I, we, together, we have a daughter, three sons and two twin granddaughters. I guess when you say twin granddaughters, there are two, otherwise they'd be triplets, right? (laughs) Right. And And I've taught art since, uh, 1995. Oh, twin granddaughters. How old are they? They will be two December 4th. Are they the terrible twos yet or are they still awesome babies? Well, they're awesome babies, but they're awesome babies on the move. And when they don't (laughs) be on the move and do what they want, sometimes it turns into the terrible twos. So they're pretty typical and they're wonderful. And yeah, I'm in my terrible fifties. Um, so (laughs) Uh, Many of our listeners have probably visited the Buchanan Center, but we wanted you to know if you could give us an idea of what it sort of takes to keep the Buchanan Center up and running. That is a really good question, Stacia. The best way that I want to share with everyone, it takes a vibrant community. It's a community of volunteers, artists, and donors. And there are only most people may know this, but for those of you that may not have visited the Buchanan Center before, we invite you to do that, but there are only two people who are paid staff at the Buchanan Center for the Arts, myself and our office manager, Lynn Miller. We have a variety and caliber of arts programming because of the three T's, time, 
talent, and treasure of our community. So it, it truly does take a village, and I'm very honored uh, to serve the community in the capacity as their director. Can I ask a quick follow-up question? Because this was something I didn't know when I started working with the Buchanan Center as a volunteer. I, for many years, mistakenly thought that the Buchanan Center only did visual art. And that was from coming to the gallery and seeing the shows. But it's, by evidence of this podcast, so much more than that. Would you mind talking about a couple of different art areas that happen at the Buchanan Center that the listeners might actually not be aware of? Well, in addition to this podcast, which we started as part of our address to the pandemic, we also have theater productions. Our exhibitions have components in them that have gallery talks. We also have literary events. We have an art presenter program that is celebrating nearly 50 years of existence in our community. And that program, more than 50 volunteers go into our public and private schools. They put on a one hour lesson about a specific artist. And then the students in that classroom have an opportunity for hands-on arts making. They can make the sample example that the volunteer has put together, or they can create something on their own. And then we also have an artist in residence program, which we started two years ago I'm super excited about that, having artists come into our community, work with local residents to create a piece of public art. In 2019, Natalie Curtis joined us as our artist in resident, and she worked with area students. She taught classes. She created the public mural, working with the community side by side, as well as created an exhibition. This past year, the summer of 2021, We had two artists come and work on an enormous mural, 4,200 square feet, and also had the community work with them. It was, the location is Tin Cup. Most of you may be familiar with that if you're from the Monmouth and surrounding area. It's on the north side of the building at 226 South Main Street. And for me, the best way to explain it is grants in action and donations in in action. When people give to us, this is what we try to give back, art that can be a part of the community long into the future. And so that's just a handful of the things that we have going on at the Buchanan Center for the Arts. We also serve the community as a special event venue. If you have someone getting married, if you want to have a bridal shower, baby shower, someone's retiring, you want to have a graduation party. Any sort of celebration we can host in the gallery, and you don't have to worry too much about decor or decorating for it because we have beautiful art for you to look at during your event. And then the last thing I'll mention as far as our programming and what we offer the community is our gift shop. We advocate for the independent artists, and we sell the work that they create, and we have one of the best gallery contracts in the area. It's an 80-20 split which is virtually unheard of. But our position is this and that we want artists to get their work into the hands of folks who can enjoy it and and live with the artwork and use functional artwork. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the history of the building that the Buchanan Center is in and just how that has changed over time and then how the Buchanan Center has changed since you stepped into the role as director. You bet. The building and where it sits was originally an apple orchard. And from that, in 1870, they constructed the building that you see today. 
with a few changes. It was a mercantile. It's been a law office. It has been many different things over the years, as you can imagine, having been built in 1870. Uh, the second floor was the first space designated by the state of Illinois for a people's public library as well. And we have beautiful photographs of what that space used to look like. Currently right now, second floor, wide open, beautiful, lovely hardwood floors still up there. They need a little cleaning, but we use it for storage. Prior to the Grace Buchanan Memorial Trust purchasing the building in 1988, Gambles was located there. And if anybody is familiar with Gambles, it was a, a retail mercantile space. You could have anything from children's toys to lawn equipment, household appliances, furniture. And it was there prior to the Grace Buchanan Memorial Trust purchasing it. Your second part to that question, Mary, and the history and what has changed since I arrived. When I arrived, it was my goal to continue to build upon the three previous directors, their successes, and to strengthen our program schedule. We took a hard look at what the community looked like since the time we opened our doors in 1989. And I really thought it was important to partner with as many arts organizations and businesses as possible on arts education, as well as special events, movie nights, classes, whatever the community wanted to try, as well as my goal was to, and one of my charges was to remodel the building, to bring it up to code, to bring it up to current standards, to remodel the building and create a public art and green space, which is known now as the Patti Plaza. And today we have a very diverse program schedule for our entire community. And one of the things that you will find on our social media platforms that I use quite a bit is the hashtag arts for all. And that's the one thing that I really want to remind everyone. The Buchanan Center for the Arts is a community arts center. Uh, and the community is the heart and soul of it. Whether you want to volunteer or learn something new or give back uh, financially, you are what makes the Buchanan Center for the Arts the success that it is. Uh, if yeah. I could ask a follow-up question, what has been your favorite program that the BCA has hosted since you've been director? Gosh, that's like asking what my favorite child is. I guess what I really like, one of my favorite things is, is being outside on the Patti Plaza. I guess it's the space. It's the placemaking um, because we could have live music one weekend. We could have plein air art contests the next. The following month, we're having art classes. And then our neighbors, the Warren County Public Library, are, are using the space for the children's story hour. We've hosted a wedding there. We have lots of different things that have gone on there. If you find yourself downtown, you know, at night, if I'm running an errand, I've, I've seen senior pictures being taken there. I've seen people just enjoying the space and having their lunch there. That placemaking space is my favorite part of this job is seeing people really taking ownership and really wanting to be a part of the arts. On the Patti Plaza, we also have a furry friend, Sherwin. <gasps> yeah. Do you, if Who's you, that? 
it's our kitty cat, Sherwin. He lives in the neighborhood. He belongs to the neighbor next door. And Sherwin goes out for walks on a regular basis. And whenever Mary is on the plaza, all we have to do is say, Sherwin, Mary's here. And he, he just appears. It's like magic. And Sherwin has spent the last couple of summers with us. He's very well cared for. He enjoyed our last movie night. He even joined us for movie night. So I'm going to ask him if he's interested in becoming a member. <laughs> I'm not sure. He should just be walking around, just having access to services. And he's our mascot. Yes. Arts for all. Oh, true. All- Sorry. <laughs> Oh, we can um, call tea. it the paw, the paw tea plaza. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I'll see myself out. Um, I just have a quick question about um, the challenges and opportunities that the pandemic has presented for the BCA. How has that been for, for you, Christine, working through that? We had quite a few challenges and lots of opportunities like a lot of businesses and nonprofits in the area. One of the things that we learned was to be very quick on our feet, to be able to adjust. I know it sounds kind of odd, but I did enjoy it to a certain degree being challenged and trying to figure out how we could present because typically arts take place in person. You have to experience them and see them and be a part of them. But one of the examples that I'll share with our listeners is that we transitioned our in-person classes to take and make kits. Everything you needed for a certain art class was found in that kit, including instructions and sometimes depending on the instructor, a Zoom link where you could learn how to create that artwork. And a lot of folks like that because they could work at their own pace, maybe Before the pandemic, they weren't available on Saturdays for a certain artist class. They could stop by, pick up a kit, and work on it when it worked for them and their schedule. One of the things that also worked well for us, and especially me for personal and professional development, I really needed to become very comfortable with and learn new virtual tools. And so we had virtual gallery tours, a lot of videotaping a lot of sharing and really utilizing our social media platforms and making sure that folks knew that we were there for them. Even if it was just posting a story or letting them know we were thinking about them, sharing links for other online arts organizations. You know, the one thing during the pandemic that kept going and never, never forgot about the importance of our community was the arts. And people leaned on them a lot to cope with isolation. They leaned on them a lot to deal with, in some cases, downtime that they didn't know what to do to deal with stress. And so one of the things that we have learned is that the arts aren't just an accessory in our lives. They are a very vital part. They are a very important part of the communities that embrace them. And so I guess the last thing that I'll say is, you know, the arts are meant to be seen and experienced in person. And with the pandemic, it kept us from gathering in in large numbers. And I'll just circle back, but we were really able to use and and take advantage of that Patti Plaza space for live music and gathering for meetings and children's story hour and classes and just really reminded folks that we were still here in the community and we were still here for them. 
I have to say, Christine, that um, I'm sort of proud of our little engine that could, when the pandemic was really first happening, we decided we have to do some sort of performance, even if it was by Zoom, some sort of play or something. And I remember calling around to all the different publishers and nobody was allowing licenses to do anything by Zoom. And so we, we couldn't get permission to do a regular scripted piece on Zoom. It just wasn't allowed. And we were really disappointed and ended up doing a Zoom murder mystery, um, which kind of got us around that licensing thing. But I want you to know that now almost every publishing company has Zoom licenses available for doing productions. And I feel like, I mean, I'm sure this isn't true, but the story I'm going to go with was I gave them the idea when I called. <laughs> but we would, were bound and determined. I would endorse that. We are the trendsetters. I, you know, I, I will, I don't know if you want to call it pat us on the back, toot our horn, but I will tell you that the boards that I have worked with, this is my seventh year, are incredibly creative. The enthusiasm and the commitment to the community, we are more than the little engine that could. It is really powerful and amazing to watch when a group of individuals believes in an organization and believes in a community and the arts have really flourished and our community is vibrant because of our board and our volunteers, as well as our artists and our instructors, everybody together. It just, I'm always asked what our next big idea is. And of course, when it comes to the end of the year, folks ask me that a little more and I'm like, well, you'll just have to put a pin in that and I'll be back with you. But you're right, Stacia, the murder mystery was a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm going to endorse that you convinced the industry to, to get those licenses out there. That's my story. We are trendsetters. Right. So <laughs> speaking of the end of the year, we just all gathered just recently for our Taste of the Arts annual event. And I'm sure there are some people out there that are unfamiliar with this event. And I was wondering if you could chat a little bit about what it is, Christine, um, since it isn't an annual event for us. Our annual event, that's right. Taste of the Arts Gala is a fundraiser that we put on once a year. We go out into the community. We ask for sponsorships and it has a different theme every year. This year's theme was you ought to be in pictures. And so we walked the red carpet. This year was a little different, but each year there is some sort of food and wine because we love food and drink. Yes. So we gather together to eat, have a, a really nice dinner. Our sponsors and our area businesses support us at levels that we are so appreciative of. And so they donate items that are auctioned off or they're raffled off. And then we have live music in years past. So this year, of course, was a little different, but uh, we just put together a really fabulous night of lots of things to do having food, drink, live music in the gallery. So you can see all the beautiful art that's artwork that's on display and then uh, raising money through our auction. This year, we transitioned the auction into a buy it now. Maybe some folks, you know, for this year, we didn't want a lot of traffic because of trying to keep those COVID numbers down. And so we thought, and, and we've had some people say, you know, with the silent auction going back and forth or bidding or with a live auction, I don't really feel comfortable participating in that. So we said, you know what, if you see something you really love, you can buy it now and here's the donation and you can walk out the door with it. And then we also had several items that were donated 
that were a perfect fit for our ridiculously resplendent raffle. And for a $50 donation, you could get 10 tickets and put those in all 10 in for one item, or you could spread your tickets around. And that worked out really well. But in years past, with the Taste of the Arts, we've had the live auction and Van Atkinson has come in and served as our auctioneer and his staff. And they're always a good time to spend the evening with. And he is really enthusiastic and engages the audience. But historically, it's always been a time for the board and the staff to come together and fundraise for the matching grant program that we get from the Illinois Arts Council Agency as well as fund those programs for our next calendar year. It was really a fun occasion. We had a great time. We always do. You make it seem so, you and Lynn, the two staff people, you make it seem so effortless, even though I know it's not. But I am continually impressed with how I just felt like when I walk in the gallery, I just... I feel like I'm not in Monmouth, Illinois anymore. I just feel like it seems very, I don't know. It seems very fancy and very upscale. And not that Monmouth isn't fancy or upscale, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I just feel like you just transform that space into something very special. And I just love it. And I, I can't thank you enough for how much you and Lynn um, do to make that event just beautiful. Well, it's definitely a group effort, and I I thank you for that, Stacia. It's a labor of love. You have a passion for what you're doing. It doesn't seem like work, and I've always looked at the gallery space, especially now that it's remodeled. So if folks have not had a chance to visit brand new floors, Asian walnut, it's just so gorgeous. If you spill something on it, easily cleaned as well, the practical side of me but it's so gorgeous and beautiful. New lighting. We have a theater box for our theater productions. The gift shop has been remodeled and everything is ADA accessible. And I just look at that space as the living room I always wanted. I always wanted to host 120 people in my home to have a nice little dinner party, little cocktail soiree. Anyway, um, It just, it's a lot of fun to host folks who are just as passionate about the arts and the folks in our community. It's been a great journey, seven years, lucky seven. And I look forward to seeing what 2022 holds. We're working on that right now in this quarter and planning what we hope for 2022 to look like. Well, before we sign off, are there any upcoming events that you would like to promote? I would like to remind folks that on Friday, November 19, from 5 to 7, we have our Security Savings Bank Photography Show. It is the 40th anniversary. Now, for those of you that have been keeping track of the details and doing a little math, we haven't been open for 40 years. We inherited the photography show from Security Savings Bank. They asked us to host it in our space when we opened our doors in 1989. And so we are celebrating 40 years of amateur photographers in our area. And to look at this show, 79 entries, you would not be able to tell that these folks are amateur photographers, meaning they're not making a full-time living or they're teaching as an instructor of photography. These images are just absolutely gorgeous. We have hung them in the gallery, just like film strips 
to play off of our You Ought to Be in Pictures theme from our Taste of the Arts. And we hope that you can join us Friday, November 19th from 5 to 7. Awards will be announced at 6 p.m. And our juror for the show, Natalie Jackson, will be joining us that evening for remarks and helping us announce the awards. And then also, as part of our year-end celebration, if you have not had a chance to become a member of the Buchanan Center, I would encourage you to do that. We put together an annual newsletter that lets you know everything that will be coming up for the following year. And then also, the last thing I would mention is that we are looking forward to hosting in-person classes and lots of other wonderful activities in the gallery and the BCA classroom in 2022. So I hope that you'll be able to enjoy them and join us this year. Christine, thank you again so much for being a part of our podcast. That wraps up another episode. Until next month. And that, friends, is where this tale ends. Prairie Tales is a production of the Buchanan Center for the Arts in Monmouth, Illinois. If you enjoyed our podcast, look for more content on Instagram at Buchanan Center and on Facebook at BCA Monmouth. Email us with questions and suggestions for future episodes at prairietalespodcast at gmail.com. Remember, not all history is found in a book. Sometimes it's found in the stories we tell. Just listen to the sound of the prairie and you too might hear a tale.